Hey Church, I hope you had an awesome week. I hope you experienced everything that, that God had put in place for those three days last week. Easter, from Good Friday all the way to Easter, is the most mystical three days of any Christian's life. These three days can be compounded into a moment when you receive the Word of God and the Word of God it causes the areas that are dead, you were dead in your trespasses, those areas to really be buried and resurrected within a moment. And I believe that today, as you're hearing the Word of God, that you will experience coming from death to life in every single word that you receive from the Word of God today. So the title of my message today is Redefine. I love watching movies and I love superhero movies. And one of my favorite superhero movies is called Titanic. No, just jokes. <laughs> just, just jokes. I knew I was going to get you on that one. One of, one of my favorite superheroes uh, superhero movies is called Captain America and especially the first movie and in this in this movie for those of you who haven't seen it um, we see Captain America before he became Captain America was a skinny little kid who just had a deep desire to do something for his country. He was, he was a patriot at heart and he wanted to serve his country but could not meet the physical requirements that the military had over his life. And so somehow or the other, he comes upon this moment where he signs up for a backdoor, you know, uh, kind of experiment uh, where they take him uh, and they put him on this machine uh, and they inject this blue liquid into him. This happens only in the movies, not in reality, thank God. But they inject this blue liquid into him and then they put this kind of machine, he put him in a machine that kind of resembles a tomb. And they, you know, just like every, every superhero movie, they always has to do with some sort of electricity. So they pump the electricity and they, I don't know what it's called, but they put it into him and, and they push the electricity to, you know, the limits. And so we see this guy who is this skinny little kid with a big heart wanting to do awesome things for his country and not being able to be transformed or be redefined by his government so that his body, so that he can be used for the purpose that government had for his life. And he comes out of this machine absolutely ripped. And I, I was in the cinema during that time and I heard many people whistling, most of them women. Uh, uh, and it, it was awesome because, you know, it was, a, it was an amazing scene. There was a huge transformation that took place. And so the guy comes out of the machine and he immediately gets into serving. He immediately gets into his purpose. He immediately gets into defending his country against a foreign attacker. We see something similar in the Bible. We see that, that what happened, happened with Captain America is really something that's based on what Jesus went through on those three days. He was crucified on that cross. His old man died on that cross. He was buried and then the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him and resurrected him from the grave. But have you ever wondered or asked the question, why did Jesus need 
his body to be resurrected. Have you ever wondered Jesus was in heaven, his job was done, everything was okay, but why does he need his body? So Jesus, the Son of God, came in, took on sinful flesh and came in the, in the likeness of the Adamic man and took on the sin of the world upon his back and paid the consequences of the perspective of sin in his life. See, sin, sin's perspective is that you should pay a wage called death. And Jesus died. His body died. His body was buried in a tomb. And three days later, something happened to that body. Why did Jesus need his body to be resurrected? Why did God need his body to be resurrected from the dead? See, I believe that Jesus' body went in as the Adamic man in one form and while he was in the grave, God redefined his body, the purpose of his body according to righteousness, justice and his body came out of the grave as a new creation. There is a purpose for his body. There was a purpose for Jesus to have a resurrected body. See, this body wasn't like, like any body else. This body could change its appearance on the road to Emmaus. This body could walk through walls. This body could appear in a room when people were having a discussion, a heated discussion about Jesus, which had to do with unbelief. He appears in the room. You see, I believe that when God redefined the purpose of the body of Christ, it made his body, which had limitations because of sin, to have no limitations because of righteousness. See, he redefined Christ's body and in doing so he has redefined your body Amen. see the the body of Christ Jesus had to take on sin but you don't have to take on sin because your body is not a body that that should lead to death but your body is a body that Christ has resurrected the Holy Spirit has resurrected from the grave so that you could live without the Effects of sickness, sin and disease in your life. And this is really what we're meant to do as the body of Christ on the earth. See, Jesus' body did not really go to heaven straight away. Jesus' body was here on the earth. It was fellowshipping with people so that he, he communicated to them that, Hey, listen, even though I'm going to go to heaven, I'm still your body. I, you are a part of my body and I'm a part of your body and together we are one body in Christ Jesus. And so if Jesus could walk through walls, why are we not walking through walls? If Jesus appeared out of nowhere, why are these things not happening in our life? See, God has already made the provision by redefining your purpose, by redefining the purpose of Christ's body on the earth. 
But the reason why we don't do it is because we're still living according to the definition of the Adamic man in our lives rather than the definition or the redefining that Christ does or God does in, in our life. We choose to live according to the old man because our minds have not been renewed by the word of God, by the word of the new man. See, we are still processing revelation in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, uh, with the lens of the Old Covenant. We still believe we're sinners in need of salvation. We still believe that we need the grace of God, not living from the grace of God. We still believe that, that when we make a mistake, that, that we're not in error, but we're actually in sin. But the body of Christ has no sin. The resurrected body of Christ has no sin. See, the dictionary redefines or the, the, the dictionary describes the word redefined as someone who reinvents themselves. Someone who reinvents themselves by, by having a completely different lifestyle. Which means that it's not, a, it's not a minor change. Oh, you know, I want to lose weight, so I'm going to cut off carbs right now. It's a minor change. But when you talk about being redefined, you're talking about a complete change, a radical change. See, God has redefined your body. He has redefined you as the body of Christ. You've got to, you've got to see that it needs a radical change. If you look at your life before Christ and if you look at your life after Christ, if there is no radical change, then the issue is not with Christ. The issue is with your mind. We see that every time in scripture, we see that every time God interacts with man, we see that he's always changing something. He's either changing the name or he's changing the place or he's changing the direction of their life. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 12. Let's read from verse 1 and 2. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. This is the first time God actually has an interaction with Abraham. And the first thing that God does is tell him, hey, listen, I want you to leave where you're at and I want you to go where I'm calling you to. He had a direction. He had a purpose in his life. And God said, hold on a minute. I want to use you. Can I redefine your life according to my purpose? A lot of people want to hear what the purpose is for their life. But they are, when they hear it, they don't really want to do it. Because they like the definition of their purpose for their life. And so we see here now, Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. The guy does not even have a child. You see, there's a, there's a, we were dead in our trespasses when God calls us. 
There was nothing in Abraham's life in that area, especially when it comes to children. He had no children and God calls him out by saying, listen, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Hello. So which means that God's, when God redefines the purpose for your life, he doesn't say, hey, well, you are a science graduate. Let me, you know, let me make you a doctor. Oh, I'm going, I'm going into some, I'm going into a place now. He looks at what you are worst at, what you don't have, what you're not qualified to do. And he says, hold on a minute. I'm going to make you a great nation. How, I, God, I don't even have a son. Oh yeah, I'm going to make you a great nation. God, I don't have a son. I'm going to make you a great nation. See, God never repeats Abraham's lack to him. But in fact, he communicates to him according to the purpose that he has for his life. So if you were to position yourself as Abraham before God, what would your response be to God? Would you leave the comfort zone of your father and mother? Would you leave all these things that you had? The happy life, all of that stuff, you know? Would you leave and just follow a voice? Go where? Go to a land, I will show you. I will show you. Because I want to make you a father of many nations. He changes his name from Abram to Abraham. He added the ham part in there. It's amazing. And he says, hold on, Abraham. I'm, I'm going to, where you are least qualified in, I'm going to use that very area and I'm going to make you great amongst the nations. A lot of times we, we go to God and we show him our certificates. And we say, God, I want to I wanna do this. And God's like, no, no, I, I, I want to do this. See, the, when God redefines your life, he's not looking for you to qualify yourself. He has a purpose for your life. Will you allow God's perspective to redefine your existence? Because a lot of us really, when we have an interaction with God, we talk to God based on what we can get out of it. When you understand that God redefined Christ's body because he had a purpose for the body, not just for now, but for eternity. God gave up his son so that he can get many sons. See, you and I are called as sons into the kingdom of God because God had, has already redefined your purpose. He's redefined your calling and your purpose, your existence. Today you're alive only because God has a purpose for your life. But the question is, do you know what His purpose is for your life? Because if you know what His purpose is for your life, some of us are still fighting it. Some of us have given into it and are experiencing the, the blessing that comes with it. See, a lot of us, we are in this relationship because we get something out of it. See, when he told Abraham, leave your family and I go to the land. Why? There's a purpose. 
I will make you a great nation. Okay, there's a there's a why? Because I through you I want to bless the nations. See, we we want the prophetic word. I want to be a, a great nation. I want the you know the 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 house and the cars and the you know the plane and the all of that stuff that comes with it. I want that. But God saying, "Okay, I will bless you, but there's a purpose to the blessing. It's the nations." See, God's desire to bless the nations was instituted when he spoke to Abraham. Oh, come on. God's desire to bless the nations was instituted when he spoke to you. When he called you out of darkness into his light. When you were dead in your trespasses, he was the one who called you. Not any salvation message, not any preacher who preached with with such emotion. It was God who spoke to you tenderly in your heart and he says, "Come, follow me. Come with me. Come to me. And I will give you life, and life in its abundance." Why do you need to live long? is because when you live long god has a greater opportunity to bless the nations we must understand church that that what god wants to do to us he wants to do in a greater measure through us to the nations around us to the people around us you think that you were the only person that got saved in your family haha <laughs> guess what your god loved your family so much that he saved you first okay. God loved your city so much that he brought life to us global into this city into the nations God loves you can look at the pandemic as something that is oh my god where well, it's crippling everything no no hold on a minute the gospel is going out without control without limitations you've got to look at the greater purpose of what is happening in our life rather than seeing the benefit of yourself all the time See the where we miss it is when we look at ourselves as the benefactors or the recipients of God's blessing for our lives. When God blesses you, he's not actually blessing you. He's blessing the nations through you. That's why we encourage giving in the kingdom. Not only just giving of your finances, but giving of your time, your gifts, your energy, your resources, all of that stuff. Have we ever woke up in the morning and asked the Lord what is your purpose for my life today? What is your purpose for the people that I'm about to meet today? What is your purpose? What is your will? How are you going to use me as a blessing? God bless me. Do you pray prayers like this? God bless me so that I can pay the debt of this nation? God bless me so much that I can buy the debt off of another nation? See these are the prayers that we've got to pray church when we want to experience the blessing that God has for us the abundance that God has for us we're only thinking man i need to pay that bill man i need to pay that that debt off man i need i i the focus is us but when we understand that when what God has done for us he's has redefined the purpose for our life he's redefined our bodies he's redefined our existence so that we can now exist for his purpose jesus in the when he was in the garden of gethsemane just before he could be betrayed he was praying with his disciples 
And having this battle, this struggle, most of us go through this. And in that moment, Jesus gives in to the purpose of God for his life. And he says, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Not what I want, but what you want from my body. We see Jesus in the Gospels, Kelsey mentioned this in the culture time. She, she said, hey, listen, God, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his justice and all these things shall be added unto you. These, all these things that we really desire for our lives to pay our bills, to, to have a job, to have a successful career, to have a family, to have kids, all the, these are all these things shall be added unto you. But it starts with making his will and his kingdom a priority in our life. See, all these things were made available in the seeking of his kingdom and his righteousness. When you seek his kingdom and his righteousness first in every decision that you make, you're opening the door or, or rather you're manifesting, you're allowing what God has already made available to you so to manifest in your life. But it starts with the seeking. He says, seek first, seek first. Have a desire on the inside of your heart to seek first. This is the redefinition of our life. We live our life not seeking our own wallet, but we seek the kingdom's wallet. We seek to fill the kingdom's wallet. Let me just say it like that. We seek to, to see that justice happens in the world. Righteousness happens in the world. Righteousness, the justice of the kingdom is, is executed in our lives. Seek it first. Don't seek injustice, but seek justice. When we do these two things, we're opening the door for what God has already provided all these things to be manifested in our life. Church, if you can, if you can only position yourself to understand that God has already made every blessing available for you, all you got to do is allow your mind to be renewed, right? By what God has defined for you to seek. He's defined it. He's saying, hey, listen, I've made it easy. Don't, don't try and outgive God. Don't try and fast and pray so that you can bless, get your blessing. Don't try and be on your knees for 12 hours a day because 10 years from now, you won't have any kneecaps. <laughs> but have wisdom. He says, seek first the king's dominion and his justice in your life. And all these things, my goodness, all these things, all these things are, are, are comprehensive of all these things. Everything shall be added unto you. And kids, it will be added unto you. Guess what? It's added. Doesn't mean that, that you have to ask for it. It's like Judy's testimony. She, she didn't even expect a bonus, but then he, she got the bonus, but also something was added unto you. Oh, come on. You must understand that when God gives, He doesn't just give what you need. He gives more than what you need. But it starts with seeking the kingdom first. You know, when I, when I was driving to this recording, I was thinking about how sometimes lack in our life 
drives us to pray to God to supply for our need. And we wonder why that need is not met in the time that it needs to be met. Because lack is the one that is leading you to God. Not Jesus. You are you're saying that you don't need this redefined body. Many of us have a desire to experience the goodness of God in our lives. And there's nothing wrong in having that desire. But if the focus of God's goodness in your life is you, then your mind needs to be re- renewed. Your mind needs to be redefined by what God's purpose is for his goodness. See the the goodness of God God reveals his goodness so that there is repentance. Goodness is not accessed because there is repentance. Let me let me let me say that again. We don't receive goodness because we go to God and say God forgive me all my sins I repent. No. With God it's a little different. He reveals his goodness so you can repent. See, a lot of times our need or our lack positions us before God in repentance. And so we think that because now I've repented, my sins are forgiven, I'm washed by the blood of Jesus, hallelujah, that now I'm positioned for for the goodness of God. God will be good to me because now it's all done, it's all clean. No, ladies and gentlemen, the way God works is that when he wants your mind to to be renewed, he's actually good to you. Doesn't punish you for you to change. He doesn't judge you so that you can change. But he's actually good to you. But a lot of us have had the perspective of goodness because we have been the sole focus of experiencing the goodness of God in our lives. But what if I do propose to you that you can access a greater measure of goodness if you shift the focus from you onto the people around you not repentance but actually focus on the goodness of god for those around you the church that you're in the life group that you're in the the the, the community that you're in that god has called you to be in what what if you shift your focus off yourself onto the people around you because sometimes we're so fearful of what people think about us that it, it it causes us to pray to god to change our lives but actually it's the opinion of man that is causing us to go to god asking him to define us according to their opinion of us 
but actually speaking that God doesn't really define you according to what your neighbor thinks about you but he actually defined you according to what Christ did on the cross 2000 years ago he redefined your body and who you are and who you will be according to his purpose for your life we look at the goodness of God as a replacement for everything that is bad in our life we we look at darkness as a bad thing we look at chaos anxiety as a bad thing but i want to i want to submit this to you that the that the things that you're experiencing in your life is not because you deserve it but everything that you have in your life whether it is whether it, whether it is fear anxiety chaos darkness trouble persecution all of it serves a purpose in your life i want you to go to genesis chapter 1 because that's where you will see it in a in an amazing way genesis chapter 1 it says in the beginning verse 1 in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth right so we see that god now is in full creation form he is just about to do something awesome okay and the verse 2 says the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the waters okay we see now in 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 this portion of scripture that we see god's intention god's wanting to define he wants to create something and he you see the condition of the earth you see that the the condition that the earth was in before the beginning okay in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth so we know that god created the heavens and the earth in the beginning but before he created everything in the beginning this was the form of the earth it was null and void it was without form and it was void and darkness covered the deep see there's a there's a rabbis uh, he, 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 historical rabbis and and you know historians in the in the past and theologians in the past have defined this moment in latin uh it's called i'll tell you in latin it's called creatio ex nihilo okay it means that god created everything out of nothing But I want to submit something to you that it was not nothing that God created everything from but there was something It tells you what the earth was like It had no form it was void and there was darkness over the deep which means there was something And darkness wasn't a bad thing See as Christians we have because of this uh, creation the creation ex nihilo we've tend we've learned to believe that light is the opposite of darkness good is the opposite of bad and the devil is the opposite of god but actually it's far from the truth because null and void 
means that there was something that God saw on the earth. It was null and it had no form, which means it was there. And darkness was a substance. Darkness was something that was hovering over. It was over the deep. And the Holy Spirit came, did not go to the light, but he went to the darkness. See, we oftentimes think as Christians, we have knee-jerk reactions to darkness. And we think that where there is chaos, we need to bring order. Where there's trouble in the world, we need to bring peace. Yes, we do. But the question is, how do you see darkness? What is your perspective of darkness? What is your perspective of chaos? It was without form and void. It was chaos. There was chaos in the world. But what is your view of the chaos in your life? What is the view, your view of fear in your life? What is your view of anxiety in your life? Because God brought dark, brought light out of darkness. Oh, come on. Come on now. I'm getting to something sweet. See, we look at we look at ashes and we say, oh my God, it's moaning. No, God looks at beauty in the ashes. We look at, at somebody mourning for somebody who's passed away. But God looks at it, looks at sees joy in the morning. We look at heaviness, but God sees praise in the heaviness. Oh, come on. People go through through fear and anxiety, doubt and depression, but God actually looks at something that he can redefine. When we look at the null and void in our life, oh, pastor, this is not happening. Oh, please pray for me. Oh, my husband got sick. Oh, my, you know, the banks are calling. Oh my gosh, there's this crazy, there's chaos happening in my life. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Hold on a minute. Have you allowed your perspective to be defined by what chaos says about you? By what the null and void defines itself to you? Or you're looking at the very chaos that is attacking your life as something that has the provision for your life. See, we look at lack and we say, well, I don't have, I don't have. Yes, you've believed lack. But if you have God's perspective, if you're allowing God to redefine your life according to Christ, the resurrected Christ, you will look at lack as an opportunity for provision. Come on, man. You will look at lack with provision in it. You will look at mourning with joy in it. You will look at ashes with so much of beauty. See, what hope is there for the world today? If the Christians, the children of God, the very body of Christ does not look at the trouble in the world with, with peace in it. We look at wars as, and rumors of wars as, oh brother, it's the end times. The times are ending and Jesus is coming back soon. Rather than, rather than looking at, at the wars that are going on with peace and hope and joy and prosperity in nations. See, if we don't look at the world in our, if we don't look at our lives the way God sees it, His perspective for our lives, then you will not be able to step into the place to be able to bring light from darkness. Bring provision out of lack. 
Not look at other people for lack, for provision, but actually look at lack as the very thing that can provide for you. So God said, verse 3, God said, let there be light. And there was light and God saw that the light was good. It's amazing. He said the light was good. He didn't say that darkness was bad. See, Christians have made darkness to be a bad thing. Oh, brother, the demons are attacking. No, no, please understand that God created all things. I created the destroyer to destroy. If you believe in the destroyer, guess what's going to happen? He's going to come and destroy. Because he is just worshipping God. Oh, come on. Yeah, he, he's doing what he was created to do. But if you believe his lies, if you believe his deception, if you allow him to redefine your life, then whatever is his job, his worship is what you will experience. But at the same time, what is Jesus' worship is what you should be experiencing. See, God, God in the book of Genesis, he doesn't say the darkness is bad. In fact, he redefines the darkness as night. He doesn't He doesn't create light out of darkness And throw the darkness out Like what we do Put on the light And we celebrate the light more than we celebrate the darkness But ladies and gentlemen If you had no night You wouldn't have a time to sleep See everything that God created Has a purpose And God's creation Has a purpose that benefits All of creation But what about this creation How do we live our lives with benefit of all of creation? Benefiting all of creation. It's important for us to to realize that, okay, there's much more than me. There's much more to my life than just me, 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 me. There's more. I have a wife. I have dogs. I have a a church. I have a community that God has called me to. There's a life group that God has called me to. My faithfulness to my life group determines how much voice I have in the realm of the spirit. You must understand that. Because you have stepped into the body and as that body now, you come together to agree on bringing transformation to the world. You have the ability as a life group, as a life coach, being in a life group to be able to now call provision out of lack in a person's life. And the way we do that is by seeing the provision in the lack. You cannot see the lack and just believe it. You can't look at that bank balance that is zero, 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 zero and not look at the one times five zeros in your bank balance. See, because it tells me that you have allowed your mind to be programmed by what the world, by what circumstances and situations are telling you. But if you come out of that program, that program is called a spell. But if you come out of that program into another program called Christ, then everything that happens that should happen to Christ now begins to happen to you. What kind of a father is God that he would see his children beg for bread? He's a good father and he won't allow his children Uh, to beg for bread. You know, the way we redefine 
the chaos, the way we redefine the darkness, the, um, the, the, the anxiety, the fear in our lives. See, God doesn't, God is not quick to jump off the throne and, and take away fear from my life. He doesn't take away the debt immediately. He doesn't really remove those, those trauma that you're experiencing. He doesn't really remove those very quickly because he's teaching his children to be an authority as he is an authority by redefining it according to his purpose for their life. See, a lot of the times we've lost perspective, God's perspective for the nations around us, for the people around us. And the reason why we've, we've shifted is because we've made ourselves as the focus of God's blessing. But see, God wants to bless you with abundance, but it will be so much that you won't know what to do with it, but actually to give it away. And the way, and the way you position yourself to receive abundance is by showing faithfulness to God with the little that He already gave you. And when you allow your mind to be renewed by God's word, by your purpose now, it completely gets renewed. You, you, God redefines your, your purpose in life so that you can exist for a longer period of time. He does that because he trusts that you will be as his son was on the earth. In fact, Christ gave up his life so that you could live the Christ life on the earth. And that is where you see lack to bring provision, where you see darkness to redefine darkness into night and bring the light. See, Jesus, the Bible says that you are the light of the world. And he, where does he send the light? Into the darkness. But he doesn't condemn the darkness. He says, go and be the light. And so a lot of times we, we've really, when you make yourself the focus of your life, when you make yourself the focus of your prayers to God, your desperation to be the, you know, it leads you to be the focus. You're the focus. Pray, 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 pray. Fast, 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 fast. Pray fast. <laughs> Don't pray slowly. God understands our prayers. <laughs> But, but when you make yourself the focus, then you're saying, God, don't give me abundance. Just give me a little. Because I, I only want this much. I, I, I'm not a, I'm, I, I don't need a lot of things, God. I just need a little bit. But God's like, hello, if I have to bless you in the new covenant, the way God functions is that he has so much to give you. But then all of that is in all the negative circumstances and situations in your life. The provision of God's blessing in your life is already in your life. Now when you understand that, you look at all the circumstances and situations in your life. You have lack? Yes. You have fear? Yes. You have anxiety? Yes. You have depression? Probably yes. As a Christian, you shouldn't be having any of these. But these things happen. They are around you. Do you have persecution? Do people fight with you? People argue with you? People have their opinion and they force it on you? Do you feel like you have no, no willpower in this city, in this nation, whatever it is that you have? All of these things contain the blessing. And it's your responsibility as the guardians of the blessing to be able to speak the word of Christ when you see darkness, the only response that darkness needs to give up the light is your word, is your voice. When you speak into lack, it reveals provision. 
But when you speak lack, 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 it only reveals lack to you. When you look at the darkness and you say it's dark, it's dark, it's dark, it's dark, then you forget that you are the light in the darkness. Your responsibility is to look at the darkness and declare into it. See, we forget that the Holy Spirit still exists and He hovers over darkness. He hovers over fear. He hovers over anxiety. He hovers over all. He hovers over you. And every time God speaks the word, you get it? Christ, He speaks the word. Now the Holy Spirit takes the word that you speaks, that you speak, and He manifests out of lack provision. He manifests light out of darkness. He manifests joy out of mourning. He manifests praise out of heaviness. He manifests beauty out of ashes. But He needs you to speak according to God's purpose for your life. He needs you to speak in your right identity, which is according to the definition of of what God has redefined you to be. You're not according to Adam anymore. You're not that old John anymore. You're not that old Angelo anymore. No, 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 no. The way we define ourselves, the way we, we look at each other is we look at Christ. I'm looking at Christ. And the only way you live in the abundance of the blessings is when you begin to manifest, you begin to speak as Christ would to every negative circumstance and situation. You're not quick to chase out the darkness, but you actually enjoy it. You look at the beauty in the chaos. You look at the beauty, you see it, you see the perspective of God in the, oh my God, there's rumors of wars and wars and rumors of wars. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. But I see peace in it. I see a nation that is about to be rebuilt. I see a nation that is about to experience peace. All the government is is doing this to the nation. Yeah, but I see, I see a new government. I see in that, in that very government, I see people rising up with truth and beginning to speak the truth and bringing change in people's lives. Come on, we've got to be the church that Jesus really gave his life for. We've got to be the body of Christ that, that speaks the words that Christ would speak. See, I'm reminded of the story in Matthew chapter 14. When Jesus um, is preaching to the multitude and then you know, listen to the name, look at the nature of God, okay? He, he's preaching to this multitude and then he tells his disciples, okay guys, get on this boat and uh, go to the other side. So he, he sends them on the boat and then he said, okay, I'm going to give the benediction and I'm going to send all these people away. And so he sends all the people away and then he goes up the mountaintop to pray. He literally sets his disciples up for a storm. He sends them, remember he's God, he's all knowing. He knows that there's a storm going, that's brewing in the sea and he sends his disciples right into that storm. And then he's up on the mountaintop and he's praying and the Bible says at the fourth watch of the night, which is really early in the morning, Jesus decides now, where are these guys? I thought they were going to come to the other side. And the Bible says that they were, they were in the middle of the, the sea, far from land. And then Jesus decides to now walk on the water to them. The humans, according to Adam, are fearful for their lives and are trying to survive. Because they believe the word of the storm. But Christ doesn't believe the word of the storm. He actually 
enjoys it. He enjoys it so much that he wants to walk on it. You see, the perspective, God is not like trouble. Oh my God, they're in the middle of a storm. Let me go and save them. No, no, let them be there a little bit longer. Let them just, yeah, they're okay, man. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. They'll figure out that I am the way, the truth and the life. They'll, they'll just figure it out. And so God, Jesus now just begins to walk on the water. He's walking on the same water that is a storm where the, these guys are on their boat. And now they're fearful for their lives because of the storm. And they see Jesus walking in the water and they cry out that he's a ghost. So now the fear has increased. So now they're just, just think about this now. They're, they're fearful looking at the storm in their life. And even a good thing becomes a bad thing. Because of their perspective. And so God, Jesus is like, hey guys, just chill, please relax. This is according to John's interpretation of the Bible. Guys, relax. It's me. Really? They become so calm. One of them becomes so calm that he decides now, I'm going to also step on the water. But you see the, the effect of one word. He says, it is me. And that literally brought the storm in Peter's life. It redefined it. And even though the, you know, you must understand, Jesus really didn't cast out the storm. <laughs> he didn't really say, ah, storm, chill. The guys are struggling. Don't you understand? I'm okay, but those are not. But he just continued to walk on the storm. But he said, it is I and the storm in them went down. And it, he redefined them according to his perspective of the storm around them. And so when that happened, Peter, who was so calm and so full of courage, decides now, I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to do what Jesus does. WWJD happening on the boat. And so, and so now he gets off the boat and he decides to walk towards Jesus. And he was doing fine while he was looking at Jesus. But then he began to look at the waves, the storm and came under the perspective. Before Jesus, it took, it was so easy for you to lose your perspective and go back to your natural state of the Adamic nature. But when you're in Christ, every storm is, a, is, is crying out for peace. Every storm in your life contains peace on the inside of it. Every storm that is coming into your life is crying out for you to bring peace out of it. Every storm, every problem, every fear, every anxiety is begging you, is manifesting so much that you need to step into your right identity to bring goodness out of it. But if you come under its perspective, then you will not exercise the authority that God has defined for your life. He's redefined your life so that you can be as Christ is on earth, as he is in heaven. When we look at Paul's life, <laughs> Paul was a super apostle whose name was Saul. When God met him, he changed his name. Something about God changing people's names. I don't understand how it works, but it works. He was on the road going to take Christians as prisoners and then he fell off his donkey, had an encounter, went blind, 
and had his name changed. And with that, he became one of the greatest apostles that has ever lived. Today we have a majority of this book because of that man who was redefined. But you see, Paul never had a good life according to Christian terms. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He says, I was beaten 40 times minus one. I've never heard of that, that type of calculation, but I guess Paul is... He doesn't want to say 39 times because that's how many times Christ was beaten. You, you see how, how humble he is. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was hit, beaten with rods three times. I mean, you look at the guy's life. I mean, it's a mess. He was like attracted to persecution. But see, nothing distracted him from his purpose. What God had defined him, redefined his life to be. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we, we see in 11, he's talking about all these sufferings. And in 12, he, he begins to talk about all his accomplishments. And, and he says, I know a man who had an encounter with God. I'm paraphrasing it. I don't know whether it was in the body or out of the body. Uh, but, but I'm going to boast about this man. He says, I'm not boasting about me, I'm boasting about that man. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and he says from verse 7 he says so to keep me from becoming conceited conceited means proud okay because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations you must understand this man was receiving revelations by having encounters with God okay so to keep him from becoming proud a thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. He's counted three times. I've pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. It's amazing. Three times he's pleading, God, this thorn in my flesh, this messenger that, 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 you, that is sent to me is like a thorn in my flesh. It's doing exactly the opposite of what I'm supposed to be doing. But we look at the negativity in our lives as something that needs to be cast out. But God is saying, I'm giving you grace to bear up these negativities in your life. This is grace. We think that God has saved us and, and we'll live a pain-free life. We'll have no lack. We'll, every, everything will be, we'll be fine. You know, everything is honky-dory in Christ Jesus and we're going to go to heaven. We are going to go to heaven. We're actually already in heaven. But we're not foreigners to experiencing suffering. Jesus says, when you believe in me, when you follow me, people will hate you. In fact, your own family members will hate you. Hello, take a, take, have, have a drink of that. He says, people who love you, fathers will give up the sons. And sons will give up the fathers. I mean, that's the stuff that happened when you start believing and following Jesus. The people who, who are closest to you begin to hate you. But if you look at their hatred and allow hatred to define you, rather than looking as hatred as an opportunity to experience the grace of God so that you can turn hatred into love. You can take that same hatred that you're experiencing and, and bring love out of it. Now, 
You've, you've stepped into the Christ life. And today, church, I just want to encourage you. I want to, I want you to not live a disappointed life. I want you to live a life that you can celebrate. You know, 100 years from now, 200 years from now, what will people say about you? Would, you, would they say, oh, well, he lived a good life. He had, God provided everything for him. Or would they write books about how you were being persecuted, you were being hated, you were being shamed, you were being, you live, you had lack around you, but you used every opportunity to manifest the glory of God on earth as it is in heaven. See, I want to, I want to, you know, Easter was phenomenal. We've, we've got the resurrected body. We identify with it. But now what? What do we do with the resurrection? What do we do with this resurrected life? And we've got to understand that there's a purpose that God has defined for our lives. That purpose, we love the limitless life. But the limitless life really is brought out of the limited life. And if you look at your limited life as every opportunity of fear, of depression, of anger, jealousy, all the stuff that's happening around you as every opportunity for you to manifest the glory of God, you will stop praying and you will start doing. You will stop asking for intervention and be the one who intervenes. You will stop asking for Christ to come into the world, for His glory to come and manifest, and you would actually be the one who manifests Christ on earth as it is in heaven. So this week, church, I want to bless you. I want to, I know this word is a different word, but it is setting you up to live the limitless life. And this is what God has redefined our lives to be. So we bless you. We declare God's abundant love upon you. Have an awesome week. God bless.